Konnichiwa. This is Erica. Hey everyone, this is Freed. We're smashing the patriarchy one episode at a time. You're listening to Super Smash Hose. Today, let's talk about chikan, or in English, sexual harassment on trains. So why are we talking about this today, Farin? Well, I think for a lot of people who aren't in Japan, um, you mm-hmm. might be thinking that talking a whole episode about sexual harassment on trains is overkill and very, you know, nuanced. Right. Um, but I think for any Japanese listeners, people know that chikan, or sexual harassment in Japan, is one of the most prevalent or like visible issues facing women. Yeah. Um, so statistics show that roughly 70% of young women experience chikan. Um, and I think before we go any further, we should talk about what chikan means legally and also in discourse or when people use it as a term. Right. So chikan in Japanese, it refers to when someone touches um, someone's like sexual parts um, in public and it doesn't have to be on the train but it happens mostly on the train um, according to this um, website I'm looking at your bengo.jp it's a law firm's website so they say that about 51 percent of chikan happens on trains and I think even from our personal experiences we've we know a lot of people and even from our personal um, own experience, we know that it happens a lot every day. And um, under Japanese law, so there are two types of chikan and one is called and so that's when like a person touches another person's bum or whatever breasts um, over clothes on the train. And it can also um, entail when uh, people take pictures or of other people's underwear or parts of their body, like breasts, again. And the other more serious one is called kyosei And that's when a person touches another person's, um, like, vagina or penis area directly. And um, for this, um, a person can be in prison for six months up to ten years. And then for the lighter... Um, the first one I mentioned, um, people can be imprisoned for for up to six months or pay up to a 500,000 yen fine. But it can vary depending on the prefecture as well. So chikan is also both a verb and a noun. So somebody who mm-hmm. is touching you is a chikan, but also mm-hmm. when you have experienced sexual harassment in a public space, mostly we're going to be talking about trains for the purpose of this podcast, um, that is also referred to as chikan um mm-hmm. and most of the data shows surprisingly that high school and university students are the largest victims of sexual harassment on trains mm-hmm. um and i thought this was really interesting because anyone who's ever been to japan knows that little kids like little elementary students in their brightly colored bucket hats take the trains mm-hmm. alone to school every day right. um and there's this perception of japan as being an incredibly safe place um Mm -hmm. but there's this reality of sexual harassment that is 
everywhere. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that Chikan might not be regarded as seriously um, as other more serious, quote unquote, serious sexual violations like rape, but it Mm -hmm. still damages victims' sense of control over their own environment. And essentially, it causes women to fear being victims of crime more than men. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, and I think another reason why Chikan happens so much in you know, cities like Tokyo and um, in Japan compared to other um, cities around the world, not to say that it doesn't happen in other places, is because like the topic of sex in general is very, very still taboo here. And like sex ed is also very behind, things like that. So I think a lot of people think they can take advantage of um, women and girls and of course, well, anyone really like boys as well um Mm -hmm. on trains um yeah yeah and and on that point of taking advantage um you might be asking yourself like what does sexual harassment and trains really have to do with each other and Mm -hmm. um most most scholarly articles talking about chicane they pinpoint the reason that it happens on trains um is usually related to the fact that trains are incredibly crowded um and and japanese people have this kind of they don't want to cause trouble or they yeah. don't want to cause chaos. So a a commuter train is almost the best place, not the mm-hmm. quote unquote best place for Chikan to happen because there are so many people. There, there's almost confusion as to whether you're purposefully being touched or not. Um, yeah. More than 30% of Chikan cases happen between the morning rush hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've ever been on a packed train, I mean, Erica, I'm sure you can attest to yeah. that. There's <laughs> sure. bodies everywhere touching you. Yeah. And sometimes it's not Chikan. Sometimes it's just your really close proximity to someone. Yeah. Then there's I think... also that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't speak up as well is a lot of the times when it's a very, very crowded train, you really can't tell for sure if someone's just bumping into you or you know if it's actually sexual harassment so you know a lot of the times people think oh like if I actually speak up and it's not the case like you don't want to ruin other people's lives you know if it didn't actually happen so I think that's another part of it yeah um, yeah I don't know if you saw the video a few weeks ago it went viral on Twitter and YouTube um Mm -hmm. of two high school girls chasing uh what looked to be like a Japanese salary man oh he was in I his heard suit. about that yeah mm-hmm. he was running across the platform <laughs> and the girls were shouting um stop running stop running in Japanese yeah. um and he another bystander uh puts his leg out and trips the man who's running from the yeah. two women essentially slowing him down he gets up and continues running mm-hmm. um but eventually he gets caught by the Koban at the station and right. is charged and admits to sexually harassing these two young girls who are right. very evidently high school girls in their uniform. But what's yeah. so interesting about that is that whole encounter. It's, it's maybe an 11 to 15 second video. Right. But it's something you don't see much in Japan. Yeah, like that I've type never of, seen that happen. That verbal and that like that that almost aggressiveness of the girls. Right. You don't normally see that type of reaction. Never. Yeah, I mean, I've lived in Japan my whole life. I've taken the train like almost every day and I've never en- encountered anyone speaking up for a sexual harassment. So yeah, that's really surprising to hear and see. 
Yeah, and um, Chikan, you know, on the trains, I I think uh, we touched about touched on this briefly. Was you don't always know if it's if it's intentional or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are ways that the Chikan have adapted to technology. Um, right to to basically make their advances much more obvious Mm -hmm. um have you heard of airdrop chicane erica yeah i've definitely heard about it um i've also experienced it so it's when a person airdrops pictures inappropriate pictures to other people on the train just randomly um and so you're sitting on the train and you get, you know, a notification on your phone screen and it's like a dick pic or whatever. And yeah, I just immediately like freaked out and like canceled it out. But yeah, it's it's like you can never feel safe in such a public place and it's just terrifying and sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and on the topic of, like, airdrop and technology, because um, I know part of Chikan includes taking photos, upskirt photos specifically yeah. of young girls, um, mm-hmm. and those of you who haven't been to Japan or don't know about this, um, all Japanese smartphones are sold okay. so that you can't turn the, um, the shutter your sound, off, yeah. yeah, your shutter sound off, so every time you take a photo, there'd be, like, that click noise, so, you know, if you're trying right. to take a photo of a boy at a bar and send it to your group chat um (laughs) everyone will know because you Mm -hmm. there's no way of physically turning off the shutter on a Japanese phone and that has been a response to the prevalence of these upskirt photos on trains and and chicane essentially yeah I thought that was normal to have like not be able to you know turn your shutter sound off but then I went like overseas and I realized that that wasn't the case and I was like oh wow like yeah, you know? you know, I was actually considering buying a new iPhone um, when I yeah. was abroad in Japan. And yeah. the reason I didn't was because I was like, I don't want to have a shutter sound all the time. Like sometimes you want to like yeah. just really take a picture of your food or something and not Yeah, like... or you want to like snap your friend. <laughs> it just makes like a huge sound. Yeah. yeah. If you're in class like taking yeah. selfies and yeah. you can like hear you clicking away, probably yeah. not great. But but there's a reason that it exists in Japan, and that reason is Shikan. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting yeah. when we talk mm-hmm. about this kind of, like, quote-unquote solution. There are a lot of quote-unquote solutions to Shikan. Um, mm-hmm. One of those being women-only trains, which was introduced in mm-hmm. around the early 2000s by, um, I think, KO Railway was the first mm-hmm. train company who did that. Yeah. And by 2005, um, almost all of the Tokyo train operators had women-only carriages. They run at specific times. They don't run every day, all day. Yeah, so it's usually Um, like really early in the morning or really late at night when it's rush hour, when it's super, super crowded, and when it's more likely for sexual harassment to happen because of how crowded trains are. So if you go to like the very, very first, I think first, yeah, um, cart or first two carts of the train, it'll just be women. So yeah, that's an interesting measure. But like we were talking about before, it doesn't really get to the root of the problem. Like there's still going to be people who you know try to harass um, other people on the trains. 
Right. And nothing, well, there's two points there. Nothing legally mm-hmm. stops men from using um, yeah. these carriages. And actually, Erica, you mentioned before that there's a group of Yeah, there's men. a group of men who um, are like anti-woman carts, I guess, sort of. And so what they do is, I've never seen it in person. I've only heard about it. But they go into the woman-only carts in the morning or late at night, and they basically kind of like raid it. And they say, like, oh, like, legally, like, we can be here. And obviously, like, the women there are going to be very uncomfortable because they're there for a reason. Like, probably most of them have experienced sexual harassment on the trains. And that's just very unsettling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is these women-only carriages, they suggest that, you know, women – it puts women's safety in their own hands. And it says that, look, if you're not using a woman's only carriage, you basically deserve what's happening to you because we've, right. you know, made this space. And if you really want to be a hundred percent safe, you should use that. Yeah, you space. should go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which is, it is weird because you never see these kind of like solutions to accommodate men. There's always women only things that like women have to take the yeah. extra the extra steps out of their life or the extra inconvenience to walk all the way down to the end of the train cart to get on yeah. to. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to bring up because like obviously sexual harassment can happen to anyone. It can happen to, you know, anyone regardless of their sex, gender or sexual orientation, anything. So, you know, boys or men can get harassed too. And I think it's definitely much harder for them to speak up about it. Because there's this idea that, you know, men should be sexually dominant or sexual beings and it's not masculine or it's unmanly to get sexually harassed and, you know, denies their masculinity or something. It's like a prime example for toxic masculinity. Yeah. And on that same point, when I was researching this topic, I had a lot Mm -hmm. of difficulty coming across um, statistics of how many boys slash men experience and I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that they don't experience it, but exactly what Erica was saying is that there's Mm -hmm. this fear of speaking up about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I have a friend who was continuously sexually harassed in school by his teacher. And this wasn't obviously like in a train, but still like you don't hear about the discussion of sexual harassment regarding um with the victim being boys um in general so I think it just comes to show that it's really you know it's not like it doesn't happen at all but it's just very taboo and people don't feel comfortable speaking up about it mm-hmm. it, it is yeah it's it's really interesting um the other thing I I was reading about in terms of the history of mm-hmm. Shikan almost or yeah. trains in Japan. Um, so the emergence of commuter trains in Tokyo coincides with the rise of the salaryman. And at the same mm-hmm. time, it coincides with the rise of female students enrolled in schools. Um, so this is all happening around the same time, these huge historical milestones, right? Yeah. Um, so mass transport is a mixing of a lot of different ages, genders, and class mm-hmm. backgrounds, and they're all together in these train carts, these confined spaces. Mm-hmm. At the same time that gender roles in Japan were rapidly changing because more and more girls were accessing education, mm-hmm. 
um, trains represented something both liberating and terrifying for women. They were liberating because they allowed women to go to public spaces like Mm -hmm. schools, shops, and the city if they live in the suburbs. Yeah. But it was terrifying because of the threats that were posed to them. And this is such a, like, the threat of Chikan, even before the word Chikan existed, was so evident that even in 1907, um, there was a fictional piece written by a famous author named Shoujo Byo. I'm really hoping mm-hmm. I'm saying that right. Yeah, you are. Um, and sorry, Shoujo Byo is the name of the work, which means mm-hmm. the girl fetish. Yeah. Uh, and it was written by Tayama Katai in 1907. Mm-hmm. And I think this is incredible, okay? 19. 19- Oh seven. So that is such a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And it is a story of a 37 year old man and it's all kind of written in the day of his life, essentially. Yeah. And it tracks the man, you know, who has a habit of staring at young girls on the train on his daily commute. And you hear his internal monologue as he describes how beautiful and supple these women look. I mean, it's, it's utterly disgusting, yeah. but, um, the story basically charts him staring at these young girls and his habit is so bad and he is so distracted that he ends up falling from a crowded train to his bloody death. <laughs> How apt. How apt. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised um, if that was real. <laughs> fiction. But I mean, it, 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 does, it goes to show you that this is not a modern problem. I mean, this story right. was written in 1907. Yeah. Um, and equally as random and interesting um, about the history of trains and women and fetishizing that, yeah. um, there's a quote by Sigmund Freud. Fucking mm-hmm. love a quote by Sigmund <laughs> Freud because everything he says is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, but basically the quote says, It's a puzzling fact that boys take such an extraordinary and intense interest in things connected with railways. And at the age at which the production of fantasies is most active, fantasies written PH like phallic, Mm -hmm. they use those things as the nucleus of a symbolism that is particularly sexual. A compulsive link of this kind between railway travel and sexuality is clearly derived from the pleasurable character of the sensations of movement. Um, wow. I think, I think Freud has said something that leads us into our next point very mm-hmm. interestingly. Have you ever Googled the words chicane and train, Erica? Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first, like, five links that showed up were, like, porn sites. Particularly and sexual. Yeah. That's what it <laughs> yeah, so that's very, yeah. It makes me so uncomfortable. Wow. But um, yeah, so there's this like, yeah, so if you go on those websites, you see like, um, well, you, you can find um, actual like, you know, Chikan happening on trains that are real. And then there's also these like simulation videos. And I think it really, the idea of like wanting to do these like sexual things to someone who isn't consenting really shows the um how Japanese culture you know in Japanese culture like women are supposed to be very like 
quiet and obedient and, you know, just like pretty good looking and not um, self-expressive. So I think it just shows how men view women and how they like them to behave as well. Okay, so there's this, a lot of people say, you know, like, oh, like, why don't the victim speak up? Like, it's so easy to say something. But I think there, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people don't speak up. Like, for one, we said they might be unsure of whether it's really happening or not. Um, you know, if, if they're just bumping into you or if they're actually harassing you. And then another thing people don't really consider until it happens to you I think is like just the shock I remember the first few times it happened to me I was just in complete shock and I was I felt like I was was frozen like I couldn't believe it was happening and I'm not really the type of person that doesn't speak up you know and talk about just um say what's on their mind but when it happened I was just so frightened and I was just like is this actually happening to me so I think that's something that you really have to kind of experience and to know what it feels like yeah I think it really like you you get surprised by how much it affects you yeah Um, I remember that I was walking home from a train station and I was walking with a friend and there was a man yeah. sitting on like a, a bicycle rack, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it was around like one o'clock at night. And I live in an area, I lived in an area for anybody who's familiar with Tokyo um, mm-hmm. in Arima, which is like very suburban. Um, most of the people who live there were like either really old or really mm-hmm. young families. So that makes the story even more disturbing in my eyes. Because yeah. um, the idea of like, an old obachan like walking by and seeing this breaks yeah. my heart but oh yeah my essentially I was walking from the train station home and I lived two blocks from the train station mm-hmm. and there was a man sitting on a bike rack and I have terrible eyesight and to me it kind of looked like he was wearing like tan pants and I was kind of like thinking like why is this man just sitting out here at one o'clock at night but like you know you do you it's a free country yeah. <laughs> maybe he's looking at the stars I don't know it's not my business um <laughs> And the closer we got, the quicker I realized he's not wearing tan pants. He is wearing no pants at all. Mm-hmm. Not only was he not wearing pants, he was sat there um, fondling himself, for lack of a better term. And when I was, you know, close enough to him that I really was seeing what was going on, I kind of stood there, like, completely shocked. I was frozen. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't keep walking by. Yeah. Which probably would have been the better tactic but I was so immobilized I almost was like is this am I actually seeing this and then once it kind of clicked in my head that I I need to you know keep walking Mm -hmm. I um walked past and I turned around one more time after I had passed him to to really understand if what I was seeing was real or not and he had turned around to face us and he was smirking um and then he had ejaculated and ran away and I was so utterly disturbed I mean there was nothing physical in that interaction he didn't physically approach me he didn't touch me but it was still so violating of my security and safety yeah it's terrible I had a similar thing happen to me like I was on the train I was in high school and going home 
from school with my friends. We're standing um, by the door on the tra- in, inside the train. There was a guy sitting across us, and I at first I was I had to look like three times. I w- couldn't believe myself, but he was just like touching himself as well, like over his trousers while like watching us, and it was like the most. I just felt so uncomfortable. Like you said, like he wasn't physically like, you know, approaching us or anything, but obviously it makes you feel so violated in such a public space. Yeah, I think it's, it is so interesting because like your environment and your security when you're existing, like do it, going Mm -hmm. to public spaces, like that's just as important as your security, like over your own body. Yeah, and definitely. and I think in a lot of ways that's how chicane is so intrusive. It's because it it intrudes on your own ability to feel like you control your surroundings. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I had like a period of time where I couldn't leave the house for a few days, or like maybe I can't remember how long it was, but because of like how often it was happening. Um, yeah, I talked to the police before about this and they said for some reason it happens a lot in like April and during springtime. And so it really? was happening that's, to Yeah, I don't know why. That's so interesting. I didn't know that there was a seasonal Yeah, I don't know. Trigger? I don't know if don't they know have the statistics word. on this, but yeah, maybe because it's like the beginning of the school year, possibly. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was thinking, yeah, maybe girls are also like, you know, less bundled up, less jackets and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, probably that too. Easier, maybe your targets. Yeah, so I think that's that part fun. of it as well. But yeah, so I was, yeah, so I felt so uncomfortable and it was happening to me to like, to me like three times a day. And so I was so scared to just like even go on the train and I already had like social anxiety and it was just like I never feel, felt that violated in my life and I still like struggle with like going on trains but obviously it's like in Tokyo you can't really drive yeah, everywhere like-, like you have to use the train like it's just takes longer with the cars and it's just not convenient and not everyone has cars either. Yeah. So, and um, kind of relating back to a point we touched on before, like out of yeah. your personal experience, if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. um, the statistics you know said that it's usually younger girls who experience this more, mm-hmm. especially girls in uniforms. Do you feel like it has tapered off a bit the older you've gotten? I mean, we're still really young. I get mm-hmm. that we're still university students. Um, so, yeah. but um, did you did you notice it more when you were in a uniform? Yeah, I think I definitely encountered it more when I was in high school when I was wearing like a you know a uniform um it still happens um as a university student but I don't have to wear a uniform anymore so yeah I definitely feel like it's decreased the amount of times it happens Mm um yeah and another thing is um we talked about like people taking pictures of other people it's private parts but also just in general a lot of something that I've encountered is when some men just come up to me on the train, just like take pictures without pictures of me without asking or anything. And they just walk away or they take pictures through the window from like the platform on the station while the train is taking off. So I can't do anything about it. And that's also like not, it's not like they're taking pictures of my sexual like parts, but it's still very violating and it's not exactly chicken, but yeah. 
that's something a lot of people have to deal with as well Yeah. yeah exactly like you have no say you know yeah, there's there's a lot of these like situations where you're like, this isn't exactly exactly the legal definition of chicane, right? But it yeah. it makes you feel really uncomfortable. Um, yeah. I remember I was taking a train home once, and I look over behind me, um, and there was a man watching porn on his mobile yeah. phone. And yeah. I mean, again, yeah. that's not that's not technically, I guess, yeah. affecting me, but it it just made me feel really uncomfortable. Like, yeah. maybe Freud is just right there's some yeah. <laughs> type of instinctual thing and with men and trains that's yeah, gotta be I it no idea. um but I think um it's interesting that we're talking about Chikan as our first episode because Chikan isn't a very hidden problem I think Chikan is one of the most mm-hmm. visible forms of discrimination or harassment against women in Japan yeah, um, and everyone knows about it. Everyone and like, knows about it. Most, I mean, yeah, if you're female, like, you've probably encountered it a few times. Not even just in Japan, but the word chikan is so widely recognized that the UK and Canadian government um, use the word chikan when they talk about travel concerns for visiting what? different countries. So on the Visit Japan website for the Canadian government – one of the um, risk factors is chikan, and there's actually oh God. there's actually books that they've made for foreigners on how to deal with chikan, who to report to, where to go. Yeah. Um, and so, with with I think the awareness around the problem, there's also been, you know, certain solutions that have mm-hmm. come up. Yeah. Um. So obviously, we talked about women only carriages, which has been. Mm-hmm. one solution um for better or for worse i mean i think as we said it puts the onerous on women to take control right um, and, and then deal it with says, the situation yeah to deal with the situation and then it also says women who don't use that carriage are putting themselves at harm yeah um i thought this one was kind of funny this was only a couple of weeks ago but um a company called shachihata which mm-hmm. makes the hanko so for anyone who yeah. doesn't know hanko are like personalized stamps in japan maybe yeah. erica it's like a signature it yeah it's like yeah, yeah. It's like a signature um so you, and everyone has one mm-hmm. and when you have to sign documents like, at the bank or for school you just have to like press your um hanko like right by your signature or something like that to prove that it's you who authorized the documents and stuff like that yeah, so they're custom-made and um, they're really popular in Japan. So mm-hmm. this company, Sachigata Inc., um, is one of the largest manufacturers of Hankos. Hankos? I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. that right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Hankos. Um, and a few weeks ago, they uh, released a public statement. Uh, this was after that video I mentioned earlier of the two mm-hmm. girls chasing the man. Just after that, they responded to the issue of Chikan. And they floated around this concept of introducing a Chikan stamp. Um where women would be equipped with these stamps and if chikan happens you could just you know stamp go up to the man that touched you and like stamped wow. him um and the whole idea was to you know make it visibly aware right. who is the chikan but also right. the reason that they said that this would be a good solution for japan was they were referring to 
um, Japanese women's disdain from creating problems or speaking up verbally, right. whereas, yeah. you know, stamping someone doesn't really require the same kind of fuss. Although yeah. I can imagine, you know, a man trying to run away and you trying to stamp him. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny to imagine saying in Japanese called, um, it goes, deruku wa utareru, um, that in English it translates to something like a nail that's sticking out will be hammered back in. And so this just shows that there's this like culture of conformity and unity. And so that's like one of the big reasons why people are so scared to speak up as well. Like they don't want to cause chaos, like you said. Yeah. So it, this is a funny solution because it's definitely a solution yeah. that's targeted to that mentality of the nail that sticks yeah. up gets hammered in. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think that we can have a whole episode about it, but I think that concept in itself comes with a mm-hmm. lot of baggage. But yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Another, I kind of like to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be future episode, guys. Tell us what you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, another and solution. You, yeah, you said was, there was an app, right? Yeah, there was a digi app. But before we get into that, there was um mm-hmm. badges made by high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were anti-Chikan badges, and they were meant to remind potential Chikans that girls will not tolerate being touched. Um, yeah. So high schoolers will wear them on their backpack and wear them on their uh, clothing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, actually would be – I've never seen it on the train, actually, but I think that would be pretty effective. Um, you know, a perpetrator knowing that they might possibly speak up, I think – Mm-hmm. is good and for even for you know as a potential victim um you don't actually have to like speak up well hopefully so you know you can avoid that like worry of, about causing chaos in the train and whatnot so i think that's a great way yeah and um i think on that same point there was a photo that went viral in 2014 by a japanese artist um mm-hmm. and it shows like a uh, couple of different women uh, girls to women dressed differently um and mm-hmm. it's a chart of who is the most likely to be uh, targeted and the least likely to be targeted right um and the most likely are high school students um young elementary students and women working women who are dressed very like modestly and docile Mm -hmm. um and this kind of goes with that same concept we discussed before that they're less likely to speak up they're less likely um to make a chaos and then on the other Mm -hmm. side the more loud um dressed women are yeah less likely to be targeted but I think with the more likely to be targeted high school girls um the idea that they're docile I think a badge that says no we're not I think it, yeah. it contradicts that point and it yeah yeah that could definitely um, help yeah and then another um I guess solution potential solution has been digipolice have you heard about this I think I've heard about it but I've never uh downloaded or used it but yeah I've seen actually ads at um train stations for it oh yeah Okay, that's really interesting. So this is an app that was created by Tokyo Metropolitan um, Police. Um, and basically, once you open the app, it activates a voice that shouts, stop it. And then a full screen image, um, which reads, please help me, there's a chicane on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the idea is that it's supposed to help women um, who are too scared to speak up verbally uh, mm-hmm. to speak up using their phone. Um, yeah. It's been downloaded 237,000 times since wow. its release. Um, and statistics show that it has been every month there's a 10,000 um, download increase. So slowly and surely more and more women are finding out about this app. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Like, again, like, I've never heard that um, or, like, seen that happening in person. I feel like also, um, like, being someone who grew up, you know, in Japan, I feel like a lot of Japanese women would download it. But I think a lot of people would be too, like, very reluctant to actually use it because even though you don't have to verbally speak up, it would still be kind of causing, like, right, chaos. You're still in the train. It's yeah. Still noise. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's definitely a step forward. And it's great that, you know, they're making an app like that. And some people might use it, but I still feel like it doesn't, you know, get to the root of the problem. But yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's, that's really interesting that yeah. you mentioned the root of the problem because yeah. of these. For four solutions, train carriages, the stamp, the badges, and DigiPolice. Um, none of them seem to be targeting actually the Chikan themselves or how to yeah. how to change their behavior. These are all mm-hmm. seen as measures at like quote unquote to protect women in a way. Women. Yeah. Um, but none of these, none of the actions that have been taken really focus on you know education for young boys in schools about yeah. how to treat women and there hasn't been any action on that part of it it's it's always None. been solely on how do we protect the women instead of how do we get them whoever the chicana is man or woman to stop doing what they're doing yeah and i think that ties back to you know how the japanese government's i mean it's ridiculous how much men dominate the politics here it's so like you know obviously like if there aren't facing the issues like even though it's a big issue in the country and people are talking about it it's not gonna change you know law lines yeah and I think exactly on that same point I read a quote by um an author and uh it's in regards to the uh, the women only train carriages um Mm -hmm. and she says the emergence of segregated public spaces for women in the name of quote unquote security is mm-hmm. a consequence of male dominance in public spaces. She yeah. says that women can only be secured through confinement because men don't know how to change their own right. behavior, their own yeah. actions. And when men are making policies about women, they think that the only way to keep them safe is by putting them in a little box rather than making society safer for them by dealing with the actual problems yeah it's so sad and yeah I was also reading this um website from a law firm in Japan and they were they have um a list of things people can do to avoid chikan and there are four things it says like cover um parts of your body with like a bag and then like be aware of your surroundings don't wear earphones or headphones um I guess so you can like be more spatially aware I don't know and then um stand near a woman or a friend or like travel with 
friends or family, which you can't always do as well. Imagine having to take so many precautions every time you left your goddamn house. Like, Like, obviously, you're going to be careful, but yeah. Yeah, but like, come on, imagine telling a boy this, like, don't wear your headphones when you leave the house on the train, like, just sit there and listen to everybody. Make sure you stand next to another guy. Like, (laughs) don't go out if you're not going to go with your, like, you would never say that. Yeah, I know. And I think even if people don't tell you those things, you, like, automatically, like, naturally, like, ha- being scared um, from those type of situations on the trains. Like, I always – when I sit down, I always make sure to sit down, um, like, between two women instead of, like, two men if I can just okay. to be more comfortable as well. And mm-hmm. I that's not really, like, a conscious choice I make, but it's just, like – I feel more comfortable feel that way. Yeah. yeah. And um, another thing is like I when I was having a lot of difficulties with um, Chikan like a year or a year and a half ago, um, I went to the police station one time and I told them like it's happening every day. Like I don't know what to do. I like cried so much. And um, yeah, like after I calmed down a bit, they were telling me like what to do. And what they said was um, – to have go to the police stations by the stations I like the train stations I use the most get their numbers and then um whenever it hap the chikan happens on the train I should just call them right away and tell them like oh it's happening like please come you know come and like um because the thing is like they keep what they told me was if it like go to the police after it happens unless it's like a regular occurrence where the uh, perpetrator is going on the same train every day harassing the same people like they can't catch them or it's very very difficult so they suggest people to call on the spot but the thing is even for someone like me like who you know I'm I think I I would be able to speak up when um chicken happens but I don't know if I would be able to make a call on the train where it's dead quiet and it's packed you know like it's just not a very comfortable situation right. even and if I mean, you... everyone's gonna hear what you're saying on the phone anyways yeah. like there's no there's yeah. no really discreet way to say it right no so I don't know it's just it doesn't seem very realistic to me even though it was advice yeah and I think I think that was the worst part about researching this topic and looking into it was that I just felt so dissatisfied with the solutions like I felt like I just yeah. kept reading every bad personal story after bad personal story mm-hmm. um all these terrible statistics of how often it happens who is targeted like the amount of information that is out there about how widespread this problem is compared mm-hmm. to the quality of solutions is just so disappointing yeah like I don't yeah, I wonder if they'll schools will ever, you know, talk about it because I've never heard about it in schools and I've went to Japanese schools. Like, yeah, that was something mm-hmm. I just have to kind of like deal with alone on the train. And because it's such a taboo thing to talk about as well, like, even though it happens to ev- like so many people, like almost everyone, like all of my friends female friends like most of them have experienced it and still people don't really talk about it that much and Mm -hmm. you just have to kind of like deal with it alone and be miserable and like anxious yeah what I notice is people talk less about like oh it happened but they do know that chicken is a thing that happens yeah and they don't 
like yeah. happening to them. Yeah, and they don't talk about it when it happens or like they don't speak up when it happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe like almost after the fact, like, oh, you're having a conversation about Chicago like two months down the road and you go, oh, yeah, that happened to me at blah, yeah. blah, blah, but I didn't do anything about it or tell anyone. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think there's also this idea of, right, okay, I can go tell the police, but then what? Like, how are they yeah. going to catch this guy? Right. Yeah. So I don't know, just the solutions seem really unrealistic and unattainable. Even the ones that the police recommends, like, yeah, it's not really easy to do, you know, so. And I think, yeah, that hits, that hits um, the point on the the hammer on the head and really showcases the idea that um, a lot of this, the root cause of sexual harassment of Chikan have to do with these wider ideas of gender inequality in Japan and um, the yeah. the way that Japanese society works, the culture, the kind of like the back gears that allow all of this to happen. Yeah, for sure. Like we talked about, you know, women should be silent, just look pretty, and then the men make all the decisions. Like that's how it is. <laughs> that's how it is. And that's not just applicable to this episode. I think yeah. we're going to talk about that in a lot of our upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. But I think um, with regards to Chikan, I think that's it, right? Do you yeah, have anything I to think, add? In? I think that's most of it. We can obviously always talk about it more in the future if any of you listening would like to hear more about it. But yeah, yeah. I think that's a wrap for today. And if anyone has any any comments about Chikan, any thoughts, any possible solutions or ideas, we always want to hear from you um, on our social media. Our Instagram mm-hmm. is Super Smash Host Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think the most important thing is a discussion, an open discussion. Yeah, even if we can't come up with amazing solutions, like it's definitely a step forward and, you know, to talk about it because it's not really happening um, even the discussion. So I think that really helps a little bit at least. And it comforts people too, you know, knowing that you're not alone when you're dealing with something like that. I fully agree. Um, I think it's the most important thing is to have a conversation about these things. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in and listening today. Yeah. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you.